This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. What is going on, brothers and sisters? For this episode of The Rockney Cast, we're going to cover the documentary on Niall Kinnick, the one and only Heisman winner ever for the University of Iowa. Even if you're not a University of Iowa football fan, you're going to love this particular podcast because there's just so much to be inspired about, to learn about. You know, we can learn a lot about the this life of this great man, and hopefully you'll find it useful to you. So we're going to give a little bit of background for those of you who don't know. Everyone in Iowa knows who Niall Kinnick is. But we're going to introduce him. We're going to cover his favorite poem. We're going to cover one of the um, most important aspects of the Kinnick legacy, his Heisman Trophy speech. And I'm going to connect it to my grandfather, Carver. And then the last part of it, we're going to cover what I think he shares in common with Tom Brady, because I am going to be doing a future podcast on Tom Brady, and I hope I'll find it useful to you. I mean, we're also going to cover a little bit just about the maker of the podcast. It was done by Scott Siepker. You're like, who the hell is Scott Siepker? You know, he's the Iowa nice guy who kind of had his 15 minutes of fame on YouTube about 12 or 13 years ago, which he was basically like, you know, we're not that nice. We're kind of nice. Yeah. But, you know, go fuck yourself. We're, we're, we're better than we than you think we are. And he got about a million views on that. And it's kind of made a career on public TV, ESPN for a while, kind of being the Iowa guy. Um, and I think there's a lot to like about him. He, he What I was able to terms find out in terms of other podcasts, there was a podcast out of the Des Moines called The Jealous Podcast. I'll give a little bit of my reaction to that podcast because, you know, it's kind of kind of Des Moines. 20-somethings trying to be cool. So we'll give them a little feedback there too. So so first off, let's introduce Niall Kinnick. For those of you who don't know, he is probably one of the most famous people ever in the history of Iowa. Um, probably along with people like other like politicians. Um, Terry Branstad is famous, at least in Iowa he is. Um, people like Harold Hughes, um, Robert Noyce should be more famous, the inventor of the microchip, but for anyone that's gone to the University of Iowa, now Kinnick is one of the most famous University of Iowa graduates and one of the most famous football players. At the time he won the Heisman Trophy in 1939, he was one of the most famous people in the United States. Um, he not only won the Heisman Trophy, I didn't know this, but he won Best Athlete, and this included everyone in the United States, including pro athletes. And so he beat out Joe DiMaggio and Joe Lewis. Joe DiMaggio batted 380 in 1939. And Joe Lewis was like the Mike Tyson of his day. And freaking Niall Kinnick beat him out. And he is the only Heisman Trophy winner um, for the University of Iowa, the closest that we had to uh, another Heisman winner was Chuck Long. I believe it was in 1985 or 1986. I think he was beat out by Bo Jackson, which, you know, I'm an Iowa fan, but, you know, Bo Jackson was better than Chuck Long. So got to be honest with you there. 
And then he tragically died in uh, June of 1943 and really a senseless training accident. So he had this incredible life. And uh, for anyone who's lived in Iowa, um, experienced University of Iowa Hawkeye football team, I think you're going to learn a lot about Niall Kinnick that you really didn't know um, by watching the documentary. It's very good. Bring your Kleenex box. You're going to probably shed a few tears and hopefully learn something not only about what uh, made Kinnick so great, but what also you can kind of use in your own life, um, you know, as you kind of move forward. Because like anyone, anytime someone has reached the top, the question always is, is kind of how did they get there? And it's usually obviously a combination of a lot of things, luck. Um, it's a combination of skill. It's a combination of their own work habits. So there's a lot of different ways you get there. And I think now Kinnick is no different. And it's just kind of a really interesting, tragic story too, because he died at the age of 24 years old. So a little bit about the movie itself. Um, it was about six to seven years in the maker, in the making. Scott Seeker, the Scott of Des Moines, was the guy that kind of got all the fundraising together for it. And it was released last year. You can get the video. Um, I think you can get it at basically any film festival. They're, they're kind of featuring it this year. I, think, I believe it came out in August of 2022. But if you're interested in actually buying the movie or renting the movie, you can get it on Vimeo and buy the movie itself. And I don't even know if it's out on DVD yet, but you can check it out. Scott Seeker's website, Scott, Ske just Google Iowa Nice Guy and you'll get the website. You get all the information you want about the documentary itself. So a couple interesting tidbits um, that I didn't know about um, Nal Kinnick. And I think, you know, knowing the, the quality of the man, uh, I guess it's not surprising when you learn this in retrospect, but his maternal grandfather, George Washington Clark, was the was the grandfather to Niall Kinnick. And he, uh, maternal grandfather was the grandfather. Well, duh. It was kind of a dumbass thing to say. But George Washington Clark, I'd never heard of him. He's not that famous in the, in the state of Iowa other than being um, uh, Niall Kinnick's grandfather. But he was the governor of Iowa from 1913 to 1917. And one of the most touching part of the relationship that he had with his maternal grandfather, George Washington Clark, is a letter that was written just as Niall was about ready to graduate from high school. And this is a really cool part of this. And you're definitely going to want to check this out. It's kind of like Dead Poet Society. You know, it's like, remember that scene from uh, Dead Poet Society? Carpe diem. Carpe diem. Well, this is like in real life because it's the poet that inspired the trajectory of Mal Kinnick's life. And it actually kind of matched the actual poem that was given by his grandfather. So this is really cool. So I'm starting with this because I'm a liberal arts guy and I, I like literate poet, poetical people. Is that a word? Um, but it's the poem Excelsior by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, one of the great 19th century poets. And it was sent to him in a letter, and I think it was quoted verbatim from George Washington Clark in the letter that he wrote to Niall Kinnick upon his graduation from high school. And you can Google it to actually look at the poem itself, but it is basically the perfect poem to send to a high school student. Because Excelsior roughly translated means onward and upward. 
And it's the story of a youth who's trying to climb a mountain in um, in Switzerland and kind of meets a tragic fate. And so it incorporates a lot of themes. I think it's probably most similar to many of you remember from Greek mythology, the youth that got too arrogant and cocky and flew too high. And I think that the uh, his grandfather gave him this poem because this is good for young people, which is is yes, climb the mountains, seek these adventures, be the best version of you that you can. Go off and climb the mountains. But make sure you do listen to your adults. They, they, they do know something because it's also, you know, sort of excessive pride where the youth kind of ignores some of the cautions of adults and ends up dying. I mean, you can check this out with poems. So it's kind of a uh, inspirational poem that, that was sort of given to a lot of young people like Niall Kinnick. Um, but it also served as a word of caution. And I think that's kind of a good way to communicate to a lot of young people today. Because, of course, his life did tragically end in 1943 on a training accident. And it wasn't really necessarily because he ignored the advice of his elders. But he did certainly try to climb every mountain that he could. Uh, that is Niall Kinnick. And it just sort of shows not only kind of what made Niall Kinnick such an incredible person, but it also shows kind of one aspect, and here I'll divert into a little bit of a commentary here. The 19th century educational system, I think one of the things that maybe we could do more in our educational system is by the time I went to school, we did not do a lot of poetry memorization. Um, I don't remember studying a lot of the great poets and remembering them, whereas in the 19th century, they would. So they would remember the Gettysburg Address verbatim and then recite it to the students. They would learn the great 19th century poets like Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. They would read the great works of Ralph Waldo Emerson or Thoreau and then be able to recite various passages of it. And, you know, this is how, like, you know, young men of the 19th century would get laid. It would like start quoting poetry, but you know, it's more, it's more deeper than that. I mean, it's just to, to have these beautiful thoughts and images in your mind and a repertoire that you can recite and that you're not bound to the printed page and that you can carry these beautiful pieces of language with you in your memory that you can share with other people. And that is, um, I think one of the gems of the book, because one of the, or of the, of the movie, because one of the things you're going to see is that now Kinnick was a journal writer. And at the time, um, he wrote a lot of letters, which of course they didn't have the internet then they did not have text messaging. And he was an incredibly eloquent writer. And one of the things that they had talked about on this jealous podcast uh, with Scott Siepker was how they used to write even as recently as the 1930s. And the thought process is, is that, um, you know, people used to write in a more elegant way, and certainly Niall Kinnick did. But to some degree, it's it's a function of sitting down to write a letter. You have to compose your thoughts. You have to be more precise. Um, by definition, it's not the it's its type of medium that is um, really inspirational. And it is the type of medium that allows you to have more eloquence than a text messages. So... You know, if, if Niall had been communicating back and forth via text, it would not have been uh, so eloquent. So one of the things that sort of takeaways, I'm going to offer my first thing that I think you can kind of take from this documentary that's going to 
what's going to, what's going to bring some real joy to you is you're going to, I'm going to write some letters to people. I did that a couple of years ago and I didn't, I don't know what people really knew what to think of it, but I'm definitely going to do that because I think that a letter is a way of really expressing how much you care about an individual person or friend. And my girlfriend and I, I think we're going to do that. We're going to write a letter to our friend and uh, see what, and I, I think this is, you got to pick somebody that will probably write a letter back. Um, Cause I, I had a couple, I wrote a couple to some of my dude friends and they were kind of like, yeah, thanks for the letter. Like, what in the hell? What's wrong with you? But 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 do it because I think you'll get this sense of poetry back into your life, and you can take away from. I hope I hope you take something like this away from this documentary because it's that good. How to write, how to think, how to do the exposition. So it's not as career as an athlete that was as interesting um, to me. So that's kind of the first thing: the poetry. Excelsior. I'll always know that poem now because of this movie it's that kind of movie and scott seeker thank you so much for including not only the athletic part of it but the poetry part of it and then the second part of the um uh, sort of area that i want to cover of the documentary that i just absolutely loved i liked the sports part of it i mean he won the heisman trophy which at the time was still even a really big deal it's for the best college football athlete and it was still a big deal to be able to win the Heisman Trophy. But what really I took away from it was the speech that he gave in accepting the Heisman Trophy. And here I'll get a little personal here. And this is probably the most emotional part of it. Because my grandpa Carver um, lived in Waverly, Iowa. And he had season tickets to the University of Iowa Hawkeye football games from the 1940s really until he died um, in 2001. So he literally was one of these lifelong Hawkeye fans and one of these guys that went to the games when the Hawks were good, and he went to the games when the Hawks weren't quite so good. And he always talked about how so, how so impressed he was with Niall Kinnick, in particular his Heisman speech. And if you look at the speech itself, it's not that great. Um, and so you wonder why... Why, why did it have such resonance? Well, the speech itself is kind of less than two minutes. And, you know, unlike you could say, oh, my God, it's just like the Gettysburg Address. It's really short and really powerful. Well, the, you know, 90% of the speech is him just kind of waxing eloquent about thanking his teammates, which is kind of standard stuff. You thank the athletic club. You thank his, um, his football coach was Dr. Eddie Anderson. And he just had gratitude about, you know, a dream coming true. What I think makes the speech memorable was the final paragraph. And I'll, here I'll read this verbatim so you can get a sense of what he was doing. And I think it is a little bit of the rebel, uh, rebel, rebelness, a little bit of demonstration of the rebel that Niall Kinnick was. Um, because I think they told him to stay out of politics. Because remember, 1939, Hitler had already invaded Poland. And so the big issue for the United States was whether they were to be neutral or whether they were to, you know, lean towards Britain or actually enter the war. And at the time, World War, World war I had only concluded a little more than 20 years prior, and people really worried about getting entangled on the battlefield. And so he, he diverts here. And here I think it's memorable for two things, not only for what he says, but he obviously had a certain type of charisma. So when people talk about 
um, this is one of the greatest speeches ever. If you look at the text, you'll be like, eh, I don't know that it really is. Um, and I'll give a more contemporary example of someone who I think is kind of like our modern Nile Kinnish, except he's probably not as good athletes. But here's the last paragraph, and I'll read it word for word. And it's related to World War II. Should we get in or should we get out? And he said, finally, if you'll permit me, this is now Kinnick in his 1939 Heisman speech. He said, and finally, if you'll permit me, I'd like to make a comment, which in my mind is indicative, perhaps, of the greater significance of football and sports emphasis in general in this country. And that is, I thank God I was worn on the gridirons of the Midwest and not on the battlefields of Europe. I can speak confidently and positively that the players of this country would much, much rather struggle and fight to win a Heisman Award than a Croix de Guerre. Thank you. And the crowd burst open. So here he's clearly taking the stay out of Europe position. I think that's how you would read it. Um, I did also learn during the course of the documentary that now Kinnick was a Christian scientist, and I don't purport to really know much about Christian science other than they do not believe in traditional medical treatment. And I believe they have a pacifist element to them. But really what he was reflecting at the time was this notion that this is Europe's war. We need to stay the hell out. And we, I'm glad that I'm focused on the battlefield on the gridiron than the real battlefield in Europe. And I think that is something that I'm going to digress a little bit here that we should keep in mind for the Ukraine. Is it really in our interest? You can talk about all the negative impacts of World War II. There's a lot of positive things in terms of, you know, bringing the country together, the economic development, all these sorts of things. There are obviously some evil things. You know, obviously exterminating Hitler was a was a good thing. Um, one of the bad things, though, is that the lesson that was taken from World War II is that if you avoid any sort of foreign intervention, you're only going to bring the battlefield home. And I think that's still kind of that's still kind of the viewpoint that that it really is um, taught in foreign policy schools, and I think really leads to some of the really bad foreign policy that's occurring um, right now in the United States in relation to Ukraine. But a lot of you are kind of like, oh my God, you're not doing Ukraine again, are you? No, no. But I'm just saying, I like that particular foreign policy that I think we really need to be careful uh, before we jump into these huge risks that we're taking, which I don't think really give us any corresponding increase either in our economy and our safety. But it also relates to, well, why do we all think that this is such a great speech um, when it's really not that great a speech? And here we get into presence, watch the speech. He obviously, and that is Kinnick, had a type of charisma and presence that is really conveyed by the language, the timbre of his voice, the leadership. And probably the most contemporary example I can think of in the state of Iowa um, was Zach Walls. Uh, he gave a speech, I wanna say it's probably about 10 years ago now, where he spoke out against the Republican legislature's um, efforts to stop same-sex marriage. And here we look, and I remember watching that speech thinking, that guy's gonna run for governor. He had presence, he had gestures. There's just that intangible je ne sais quoi for certain types of leaders that you can just see, experience, and presence. Now, I think, unfortunately for Zach, I don't think he has a chance in hell at actually winning, um, at least at this point. Um, but that may be another podcast. 
Zach, uh, the ideas are wrong there. He has some good ones, but the Dems, I, I think it's just going to be hard unless either um, just different types of voters enter the state. Uh, but I think in terms of like common sense, ordinary islands, as long as they are the predominant, you know, uh, group in Iowa, and I'm just saying ordinary islands, um, the same ones that celebrated Jack Price and Niall Kinnick, as long as we have those islands, he has no chance um, because for a lot of different reasons, but he is an extremely gifted speaker. That is Zach Walls. And now Kinnick was an extremely gifted speaker. And so you got to watch the speech. You can see it on YouTube and just to really get a sense of his presence. Because the other thing that comes out of the documentary is that they, they basically start with a um, an opening vignette from, I believe it was a newspaper reporter that asked Ronald Reagan um, in the in the 80s about whether he'd ever heard of Niall Kinnick and whether he had ever had a chance to meet with him. Because as you may recall, Ronald Reagan was an actual radio announcer for WHO, I believe between like 1937, 1938, just the period of ascendancy for Niall Kinnick. So he definitely would have known of Niall Kinnick. And one of the people asked him, he said, well, did you ever interview Niall Kinnick? And Reagan said, no but he could have been anything that he wanted, essentially implying including President of the United States. Seeper takes this position as well in terms of the loss uh, that we had here. And here he's kind of, I mean, Seeper isn't just sort of trumping up Iowa, but he is basically saying that, yeah, um, Kinnick almost certainly would have been governor of the state of Iowa had he wanted it, um, given all the publicity he would have had, um, you know, following his return from World War II. And Seeper thinks that he was the type of character that is now Kinnick that could have been made president of the United States. And then he makes a little dig at Richard Nixon. Like, imagine if, you know, Niall Kinnick had been head of the Republican Party as opposed to Richard Nixon. And, and my, you know, th that's maybe another topic, too. But, you know, I, I you guys aren't going to like this, but I think people are a little hard on Richard Nixon. I think I'm sorry. You know, I think look in the mirror. Why did he get elected? It was because of the dysfunction of the left. And I think that explains a lot of uh, the rise of a lot of other politicians that we may not like, but exist because of the complete dysfunction of the left. And, you know, whether um, Richard, uh, whether now Kinnick could have made the leap to the national stage, it's hard to say. Um, from the progressive point of view, Harold Hughes was bandied about as a possible uh, a presidential candidate. One can assume that maybe Kinnick would have had the, the chance to do that. It's hard to say because he was a decent human being and what, how would have he handled that pure dysfunction that he would have had to deal with um, had he actually um, been elected governor? I think he would have done okay and I think he would have been a very fine governor. Would he have been able to make that next le that next leap? It, it, it's really hard to say. But so those are kind of the two things that I think really jumped out at me about the movie. There's a lot of different pieces of it. Uh, he interviews now Kinnick's first cousin, who's still alive. Kinnick was born in 1918. And God, it's easy to remember that, I mean, had he lived to be 100 years old, he would have died, you know, like five, six years ago. Had he lived to be 90, he would have he would have seen, you know, Hayden Fry uh, coach the Hawkeye football team. I mean, so he died. Now Kinnick died when he was 24 years old. And um, 
you know, it 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 it, it really was a tragic life. Um, so like it's kind of my third, my my third topic in terms of my reaction to the uh documentary. And you, and you definitely gotta see it. It's really, really good. Now Kinnick, and this is one of the takeaways that actually my mom had. She's like, go see the documentary. It's really good. But now Kinnick was only five eight, five foot eight inches tall and 170 pounds. Now you can say, oh, that's really tiny. How you know, would have he ever been able to be a division one football player today? It's hard to say, but I mean, I think of people like, you know, Rocky Abismal was not super tall. Um you know, there's other Kyler Murray is a modern quarterback, I think is about 5'10, 5'9. Doug Flutie, I believe, was 5'9. So, yeah, there are modern analogs to Niall Kinnick. Would have he been successful today? It's hard to say, but he did dominate for one year in 1939. And what I love about this is, you know, and it kind of relates to song, I think it kind of relates to Tom Brady. I love studying people that get absolutely everything out of the gifts that they've been given. So as it applies to Niall Kinnick, they get a little bit into this in terms of what made Kinnick Kinnick. And here's kind of one of the best parts of the documentary. They talked about the types of drills that Kinnick did in Adel, Iowa, which where he was from, through the lens of his first cousin, this Don Bice. And that is like the true aspect to this because supposedly Kinnick made himself ambidextrous so he could throw with his left hand. He did all sorts of drills where he'd run backwards and forwards, all sorts of mobility drills. So I think Kinnick was just wicked quick, had decent speed, maybe even home run speed, and you know, and had a fine mind. And he worked really hard, positive attitude, and just everything about him comes just across as just this sincere, decent human being. And so whether it's Tom Brady or now Kinnick, I love to study people that get the max out of what they have. I think Tim Tebow uh, could be another person that really gets the max out of every ounce of talent that he's been given in mind, body, and spirit. Um, that's, these are just a fascinating group of people because how many people in the world don't really max out uh, for whatever reason? They lose faith. They don't have the opportunities. Uh, they don't believe they can do it. They're going to wait for the government. Uh, but that's just a very interesting topic because I think very few people get there. And now Kinnick was clearly on his way there. Um, it doesn't get much higher than the Heisman Trophy. Um, he was a uh, one year in law school before he volunteered for the Air Corps during World War II and was third in his class in the Iowa Law School, which if you've been to law school, that's really hard to do. That's, that's hard to do. I was kind of like, you know, I wasn't one of the super smart ones, but I, you know, I, I, I had a couple top grades. I'm not bragging, but I did. And, uh, you know, I had, I graduated like top 30, 20%, something like that. Um but it was, but but, I, but I'll tell you what, though, one thing I can say from my own personal experience is when I got a couple of the top grades in a class, I was not top of my class. It was after the realization that I had that I was not the smartest one in the class by, by a long stretch. And that if I were to achieve amongst other super talented people, because all the tests run a straight curve, 
I had to work my ass off. So the one that I got the top grade was debtor creditor. And uh, that was one of the hardest classes in law school, but I was focused, I was locked in. And I realized I had to use the talent that I was given. And I think anytime you do that, uh, you are, are living in this incredible legacy of Mal Kinnick. And so that that is this documentary. And I think, and the, and the other thing too, and this is maybe another little detour, I, as an Iowan, the thing that really comes across uh, with Niall Kinnick, he's so Iowan. And you're like, what is Iowan? What is that? Well, Iowans, we don't, you know, as a group, we're kind of quiet. Um, we kind of like just to work hard and not like show off or brag or anything like that. So maybe even doing this podcast, I'm not even listening, you know, living up to the highest ideals of Iowa. But it's kind of understated. It's kind of like Terry Branstad, Governor Harold Hughes wasn't a real braggadocious guy. Um, even even Robert Noyce, the, the inventor of the microchip, kind of had this humble attitude. And there's this little moment in the Niall Kinnick documentary in which it's after the season is done. And, and the Hawks ended up 6-1-1, one and, one, and they had been terrible the two years before. And they really hadn't won since the early 20s. So the, basically the story of the Hawk football game is we sucked um, from basically like the 20s until Kinnick's team. Then I don't think we were super good in the 40s. They had appeared in the 50s when they were good. Then they really sucked for 20 years. Then Hayden came along, and then they were good for about 20, 25 years. Now Kirk's parents were you know, good every four to five years, and we'll kind of average the rest. But um, there's this moment. So, that, so when the Ironmen did win, they're 6-1-1. One, and one, there's this moment where he's up in front of the microphone and he just kind of seemed, you'd think he'd seem like kind of this overconfident alpha asshole, but he wasn't. He, he just, he had this endearing smile to him. You know who he kind of reminded me of? is Troy Skinner. You know, that, that, that basketball point guard, I think in the late 80s, early 90s, everyone thought he was going to be the, the next Steve Alford and he wasn't, but he played B1 basketball and he had no, no business playing B1 basketball. And he he started for the Hawks and played quite a few minutes and did a pretty good job. And now he's a lawyer in Des Moines. So I think Kinnick also could have taken that role. But so Kinnick is up there giving a little speech and a, and a fellow football player kind of nudged him a little bit. And it was just kind of, it was just very interesting. Here he was the star and they kind of moved him towards the microphone like they were directing him and he, and he kind of let him do it, um, which I, I, he just kind of had this humble quality to him that I just found very, very endearing. So to actually truly experience the podcast and, or the documentary, um, see if you can see it with other people. Um, but if you can't, it is available on Vimeo. I understand that's the most lucrative version for the uh, uh, producer and, and the makers. Uh, Seeker was on this uh, podcast called The Jealous Podcast in Des Moines. And he basically said that, yeah, he was going to try to do this article or this new movie on Jack Trice, but he was basically like, you know, I'm not going to pay for it myself. So if, if you want me to do the documentary, you got to pay up. I think that's kind of key. And I think, you know, and Trice is well known, but not nearly as well known. At Trice, I believe, was one of the first African-American players for Iowa State University. I believe he was killed during a football game or something like that. And he and the stadium in Iowa State is named after Jack Trice, which I think is, is a real testament to Iowa State. And so supposedly 
you know, if, you know, if he, if he gets the funding for this, um, he might try a new movie on Jack Christ, but I got the sense that he's like, well, probably not because even the Kinnick movie was kind of really hard to put together. So, I mean, if you really love the movie, buy it on Vimeo. And again, kudos to Scott Seeker. Scott Seeker is kind of an Iowa guy too. I mean, kind of this humble approach. I live in a region of the state right now where it's just a bunch of humble, old-fashioned folks. And, uh, you know, it's an honor to live alongside all of them because I think it's just sort of, I think, um, human decency and, and humility are sort of greatly underrated qualities. And I think that that is something that I think Iowa really does exemplify. So um, watch this uh, documentary. It was really, really good. And, um, you know, you learn a little bit of poetry in the form of Excelsior. You get to hear the Heisman speech. It's really good. And you get, of course, a description of the six and one year in which they got second in the Big Ten. But what, we're one of the most um, exciting teams for 1939. So you get, you know, sort of a game by game um, take on that particular fall, one of the best falls ever for the state of Iowa, University of Iowa football team. Three maximizing talents, a story about that. For people who love Iowa and the Iowa Hawkeyes, obviously it's a good uh, documentary to watch. And then you can check out the Jealous podcast, Scott. I haven't heard this one. I was a little bit annoyed by it because not by Scott Seeker, but you know, it's by these 220 somethings that were kind of trying to be funny and cool. And that's kind of my pet peeve when people try to be funny and cool. So, I mean, I guess I try to be funny and cool, but I don't try to be cool. So I don't got that um, aspect, you know, that, that I have to deal with. So if you have made it this far, you must, you simply must give me positive reviews on Spotify, Apple, and all places where podcasts are heard. You must also, at least I'm kindly asking you, Dessa, uh, give, me, give me recommendations. Let's grow this audience together so that we can really develop an audience and, and grow this podcast. Um, thank you so much for tuning in. We're going to continue to do a lot of high quality um, episodes on the RacneyCast. I'm going to try to do them more frequently. I think next one's going to be on Tom Brady, um, what makes Tom Brady, Tom Brady. And we're going to continue to do all, all different types of topics, but primarily advanced on sharing what I've learned to improve your mind, body, and spirit, and to truly live out the best version of you that you were destined to become. Excelsior, friends of the Iowa cast, Excelsior. Until next time, on the Rockney cast. <laughs>